if money didn't matter. Business is a tool for life. You don't get what you want in life. You only get what you're willing to suffer for. You're entering the age of entrepreneurs with Clark Varon. How world-class entrepreneurs succeed in business and life. Kelly Roach is known as the business catalyst, helping business owners become game changers in their field by implementing the live launch method. She's a former Fortune 500 executive, and after grinding for over eight years, she realized that the only way to create the lifestyle that she wanted was to become her own boss. And so she did. After many failures to launch, she developed the live launch method, which she used to get her business off the ground. And now she teaches others how she did it through her podcast, The Unstoppable Entrepreneur Show, and through her books, most notably Unstoppable and The Live Launch Method. Kelly has also been featured on ABC, NBC, Good Day, The CW, Inc., and Forbes. And not to mention, she's pretty engaged with providing opportunity for women and clean drinking water to the poor. That is quite the resume, Kelly. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I am so excited to have you because I feel like in this new age of entrepreneurs, you know, we have all this opportunity ahead of us. And people have these like crazy passions and they got these crazy ideas and they want to turn into a business, but they are seeking exactly what you teach people, which is how the heck do I get this thing off the ground? You know, how do I get the, the idea off the ground? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited to dive into that with you. But first, I'd love to hear like, where do you come from? Do you come from like an entrepreneurial family? Like what's your backstory? Yeah, no, not really. To be honest, you, my family, so there are five kids in my family. It was craziness. And, um, you know, I had great parents, hardworking parents. My dad was actually super into uh, giving back and he worked for a Catholic nonprofit my entire life. And if you know anything about the nonprofit world, that meant that we had a family of seven living on about $35,000 a year, I think at the max. So that yeah. was great quite interesting, um, very purpose-driven, uh, but definitely we were we were scraping it together every month for sure. And with five kids in the family, obviously my mom was home running the house, taking care of five kids, you know, all the craziness that comes with that. So, you know, we were raised with like a really good value system, I think, and really mm-hmm. good work ethic. And, you know, but there, there were things that I loved about my childhood and my upbringing. I think my parents did a really good job of instilling confidence and they were very, you know, loving and kind. And like, we were, you know, a great family, but we struggled like financially. And it was definitely, it was very stressful continually. And growing up, it was definitely a, not only a point of like anxiety and stress growing up, but also like hurt and, and just, there, there's a lot that, that comes with, you know, that situation. And I think for me, I wanted to carry the good forward, but change the things that I didn't necessarily agree with. And it was why I was always on a mission to figure out how to build a business that allowed me to be financially free while also giving back in a huge way, mm-hmm. because I grew up in a family where we sacrificed one to get the other. And I think that's how most people believe it has to be in life. They feel like they either have to, you know, be this or be that, do this or do that. And I was like, no, I actually think that you can, you know, become really wealthy and in the process have the money to give back and and make a huge difference. And that's kind of 
the mission that I've been on ever since I was old enough to, to start working. Yeah. So, I mean, that clearly is where like your harder work ethic yeah. came from, but someone like, did you want to start a business no. as a kid? Probably not. It was no. probably like, I just need a high paying job. I don't want to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I did not even know what the word entrepreneur meant. I had mm-hmm. really no idea about becoming a small business owner until I was like late twenties. Like I didn't, I wasn't even, I was almost 30 when I started my business. It was never a dream of mine. And I really didn't even know anything about the world of entrepreneurship. Like you said, I was graduating from college and I was like, I'm not going to be in debt. I want to be financially free. Let me go get a great job with a good company, which is why I got, you know, a job in an international global fortune 500 firm because I could work my way up, which is exactly what I did. I was promoted seven times in eight years. So literally that meant that I was in my twenties managing people in their fifties. Like that's how crazy like my career journey was. And, um, that's where I learned coaching and leadership and sales and marketing and pricing confidence and, and teaching others and, P&Ls and, and, you know, business acumen and all of those things. So mm-hmm. I'm very, very thankful for that time. I know a lot of people are always like, eh, you know, they, they have so much to say about like their previous career, their previous job, their previous boss. And I'm like, no, 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 you're missing the whole point. Like that's what prepares you to be able to go into that next phase of the journey. And I definitely would not be where I am as an entrepreneur if I had not had that time first, you know, in mm-hmm. Fortune 500, which is where I really learned, you know, exceptional business acumen and and understood both the things that I wanted to carry with me and the things that I didn't in entrepreneurship. But, you know, when I got to the point where I was ready to start thinking about starting a family and really uh, assessing, like, I was like, okay, I built the skills. I know how to become wealthy at this point, but I was sacrificing my quality of life traveling and, and being away from the people that I love and missing out on things with family and friends to do it. And I was like, I'm not willing to have this be my story, you know? And that's mm-hmm. when I really started pursuing entrepreneurship and, and what opened my eyes to like, okay, I'm not gonna find a job that needs all of these things that I'm looking for. I better get started creating it. So that's kind of how it started for me. You know, it's kind of crazy. The last guest that I had on was like a Facebook executive. He, he started working at Facebook, like when Facebook was re- still really, really small. And he's like, yeah, I went to go get a real job first, because, you know, a real job <laughs> first, because it's a lot easier to pursue your passions when your bills are paid. And I was like, I love that quote. I'm stealing that quote from now on because mm-hmm. it's so true. Like you kind of took care of the, your, you know, basic needs. Yeah. And I bet that gave you some like freedom, some mind space. Yeah. And it's really interesting. I, I speak about this a lot. Actually, people ask me all the time. They're always so eager to quit their their jobs. And I'm like, yeah, but do you have two to three years of runway saved up? Like, are you ready to live on nothing for two to three years? And do you have enough to invest in your business to give your business what it needs to ultimately thrive and grow and become everything it's capable of being. I think a lot of times people are very short-sighted in their decision-making. And what that leads to is just this, this panic. Like there's so much panic in the entrepreneurial world because people don't set themselves up for the long term. And I don't blame them. No one's out there teaching it. 
right? Yeah. Like, no one says you, like I do, like I intentionally go out and I'm like, don't quit your job. Like you yes. need to save, you need to work that side hustle. Like you need to build your skills. You need to learn sales and marketing and get ready for this whole CEO thing, which you have no idea what you're walking into. But that's not the message in the bigger market at all. And so I don't blame people that, you know, they put themselves, you know, in a compromised situation, but I, I definitely agree. It's, it's really important to know what you're signing up for. And if you really believe entrepreneurship is a calling, then you want to give yourself the best shot at making it long-term and crossing over that bridge to the other side, which is going to include either being ready to invest you know, heavily from your savings or being willing to sacrifice continuing to work so that you have a stream of income and can reinvest the right way in the business to get it off the ground. You know what? Have you heard of the book Originals? No. It's, it's a book of like different entrepreneurial studies. And one of them is they compared people who had a side hustle, you know, or basically people who didn't quit their job when they first started to yeah. people who are like, Oh, I don't have the time. I'm going to quit my job yeah. and I'm going to try to do it full time. Yes. The people who didn't quit their jobs yeah. were more successful 30% of the time or I, yeah. were, were successful 30% more of the time. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me at all. And, and I always say for me, I thought it was like my biggest, you know, handicap when I started, cause I was like, Oh, everybody else gets eight hours a day to work on their business. And, you know, I was feeling all bad for myself. Cause I was, you know, still working 60 hours a week in a job. It's the number one thing that I'm thankful for today because I have an eight figure company. I run it in less than three days a week. I have a second business that I run. I have a foundation. I have a six-year-old daughter who I'm now, literally, I'm sitting at the office today. I'm here. She's been next to me doing homeschool all day long. Like, and the reason why I can do that is that I didn't have the ability to waste time. I didn't have the ability to say, oh, I have eight hours to play with. Let me decide whether or not I'm going to do what I need to do. It was like, no, I have a 30-minute lunch break. I'm going to go hustle and get on the phone and close a client because this is all I got. And then I'm walking back in the office for the rest of the day, you know? So it's definitely a different mindset when you have that, like, it's almost like that army, like boot camp style. Like you got to just get the job done. You don't have time to mess around. And it really does help you long-term. Oh my gosh. So I, I totally resonate with that because, um, like I started my first business in college and I, I was a full-time student, like on the side, pretty much. Like I worked on my business. It was called travel young is a travel agency. And, um, and so like, I was the guy who was like cramming the day before the test to try to learn the last three months of class that I had been skipping. And then when I graduated college, I was like, Oh my gosh, it's going to open up so much more time for me. But the lack of like stress, like time stress, made me less productive. I had more time after I had graduated yeah. and I was less productive with that time. And I'm like, something's, yeah. something's wrong here. Like what? It's so true. It, well, it's, it's, uh, I forget what the, the principle is called, but you know, things will expand to whatever amount of time you give it. And that's, that's the same with growing your business, right? Like people that stay stuck have allowed themselves to stay stuck. And people that are like, this will happen and this will happen by this time. And like, I'm not willing to accept that it's not happening. You know, like that's just, it's, you know, things will take as long as you allow them to, whether that's for the good or for the bad. Right. So what was the breaking point for you where you're just like time to get unstuck? Like I can't handle this anymore. Yeah. Well, for me, it was, it was 
multiple things. Like I, I wouldn't say it was like one moment where I was like, okay, I have to go start my business now, but it was like, okay, I am making millions and millions of dollars for this company. And there's no translation from me working harder to that, creating more income. And like, yes, you can get like bonuses and, you know, raises and stuff like that, but it's so fractional. Like the percentage of what you're earning is so minimal that it doesn't really make a difference, like in the grand scheme of things. And the difference between building your own business and, and working in corporate is like, you can put in, I could put in an extra 20 hours a week and it wouldn't really translate to my income. Whereas like in your own business, if you do that, it will, like it will change your life, you know? So income was a huge piece. Fulfillment was another piece. Like I wanted to intentionally focus on working with small business owners so that every client that I worked with, it was creating not only like a change in that person's life, but it was creating generational change where it was redirecting a family. So mm -hmm. to me, like when I look at every client that we work with in my programs, like that is, that's a family that's getting a redirect. It's not like just a person whose life's that's changing or a business that's being built. And that's really how I look at my approach to, you know, the, the fulfillment aspect of what I'm doing. And, you know, then obviously like the philanthropy side of things, like I really want to be able to free up my time to be able to do more with my foundation, which I just created last year. And, you know, to give back more, you have to, you know, have the funds to give. Right. But you also have to be able to create a situation where you can free up your time. And like, now I have two vice presidents in my company. I have a team of six leaders underneath of them. Like I'm building something that can run without me so that over time I can say, oh, you know, I'm going to spend the next six months working on the foundation and my business will continue to run and it won't be disrupted. So I'm curious, like which, which business should we dive into first? Should we dive into the foundation? I also, I have to know what this launch strategy is like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, you know, I always say it's, I'm in a very interesting uh, predicament at the moment because I have Give Her Courage, which is a baby business that is in year two and a half right now. And we are struggling. We're going through all the same growing pains that any new business owner goes through. And I always, I say this to my clients every single day, like I am not in an ivory tower. I am like down in the freaking weeds. I'm rolling around in the mud with you. Like I am down and dirty going through all the same things. And you think like, oh, it's your second business. Like, no, it's uh, one company I run is a service-based business. The other company is retail and education. It's a completely different animal, completely different market. And there's still a learning curve. Like there's no skipping over it. So I have that on one side. And then I have the coaching company on the other side, which is at this point, like a very mature company. It's growing by millions of dollars. I have a big staff. I have a staff of 33 full-time people. It's in a completely different stage of life. So whichever one you feel, if you want the ugly uh, war stories, I can tell those. If you want to talk about some fun things, I can talk about those. You tell me where you want to go. Well, let's, let's dive into, I guess, uh, your first struggle journey yeah. and go back to, I mean, from this, from what it sounds like you had to develop the launch method yourself, right? Yeah. I mean, so, so just to put it in a quick nutshell. So I came from a sales leadership background. I was a top producing salesperson and then I taught salespeople in fortune 500 
And I got into the entrepreneurial world and I, you know, heard that we're supposed to launch and I'm like, okay, cool. I've been closing clients like one-to-one in consultations. And I was really like, okay, I want to scale this company. I want to grow. And so I took every course, every program. I did webinars. I did the PLF. I did every launch strategy you can think of. And I like just bombed, like I bombed like really bad. Like one story I can tell you just really quickly because I think it'll bring just a smile and some enjoyment to everyone for the day. I was working full time. I invested like, I'm talking like a cool five figure, you know, investment in this program for launching. And I was so, so determined and I was so convinced that I was just going to blow this out of the water that I took two days off after the launch for all the consultations I was going to get and all the clients I was closing and registering. I closed zero, zero. Like this was like epic fail, like epic. And I have so many of those, but so I kept doing these programs and these courses and these launch methods and I kept failing and failing. And then finally I was like, you know what? I can't be the only one I'm not doing this anymore. Like I'm done. Like I'm a good business person. I know I'm a good business person. And like these rules and paradigms that I'm learning from other people just aren't working. So we just like got rid of everything. And I said, because when I started my business, there was no such thing as live streaming. Right. And so now at this point, fast forward a few years, now there's live streaming. And I'm like, okay, I don't need these pre recorded, edited videos with all these slide decks and PowerPoints and funnels. And it's just exhausting all these things that you're taught to include. I was like, I'm just going to freaking go live and I'm going to teach people and I'm going to put together this like experience. Right. Because I think one of the big things about a lot of the launch methods that are taught is that the people that are experiencing it are really just passive consumers. They're just listening. They're sitting back and listening. Whereas now with live streaming, you really have an opportunity to cultivate this live experience for people where you're actually driving real transformation in real time and you're moving them from being a passive participant to an active one. And when you get people mm-hmm. into action, you get to, them to start taking steps forward and they see that it's working and they're accomplishing mm-hmm. breakthroughs and they're seeing results, it, it's very easy for them to, you know, take one more step forward to say yes to work with you. And so very quickly we went from launches where we would close zero sales or, you know, maybe three to five sales if we were lucky to closing a hundred sales at a time. And pretty soon we were doing multi-million dollar launches. And I'm like, I didn't change. Like I was the same person. My content didn't change. Like I'm the same person. Like I've been teaching the same thing. Right. But I think when you remove the barriers between you and the audience and you have a strategy that's really like customer centric, instead of you centric, uh, it definitely changes that experience. And then, you know, after we had begun replicating this over and over again, and you're like, okay, we need to be teaching this. This is obviously, we can't be the only people in the market that are struggling with this. And that's when I wrote the book and we've been doing the workshops for, you know, two and a half, three years now, like every eight weeks and people just go crazy. I mean, I have people that have been through the workshop like six and eight times that redo it every time they have a launch coming up just to like get fired up and get ready to, to go to market. So it's pretty cool. It's been, it's been an interesting journey. What are a few nuggets that you could just pull out of it? Like how do you get 
an audience? How do you get an audience to go from passive to actively engaged? Yeah. Well, the number one thing is utilizing live streaming, but not just utilizing live streaming, but actively engaging people during the live stream where you're getting them to do specific things. You're actually facilitating them taking action in real time. So we use like a, a workbook that they're actually filling out during the session. We're giving action sets that they're doing after each session. We're having them post what they did. We're giving them feedback on it. And we actually have members of my team act as like concierges throughout the launch so that every person that registered is actually in live communication with someone on my team that's leading them through the workshop, helping them take action. Literally our goal is that our free workshop is more valuable than the last three things that someone paid for. So my vision is and always has been that whether or not someone buys from us, if they go through the live launch workshop, they are a fan for life that is going to tell other people about it. They're going to send other people to the workshop. If they don't buy, they're going to tell someone else that does. And I think that that's what I, that's what I mean when I'm saying about moving from being like you centric to being like customer centric, like really focusing on the experience and the outcome for them. And, you know, I'm all about sales and I love driving sales, but, you know, being in it for the win for the market that you say that you care about and that you're here mm -hmm. to serve really does change the game. And, and it creates a completely different energy for them and for you. So do you have a preferred platform? Like are you using Facebook groups then? Yeah, we use Facebook groups quite a bit. We, a lot of times will um, like joint stream it onto Instagram as well. Uh, but Facebook groups right now are, are optimal just because you have the containment, you have the community, you have the ability to tag and message and it's all in one place and it's super easy. I'm hoping that Instagram develops um, a group platform functionality, which I'm sure that they will. Um, and so I'm sure that will move from platform to platform. But the cool thing about live launch is it's, it's really built on, on timeless principles that can be applied anywhere. So I always say like, there's the what's working now, but then there's the important principles that that's laid on top mm -hmm. of that can be used really anywhere, anyhow you want. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Can, can you give us a teaser of like what happens when someone joins? Yeah. So the first thing that happens is they connect with a concierge. So a concierge connects with them in the private chat and really welcomes them to the group, asks them about their goals that they're looking to accomplish in going through this intensive and really kind of tease them up for everything. So they help them make sure that they understand the schedule. They understand what they're there to learn. Um, they can give them tips and strategies on how to make the workshop work for them. And then basically uh, when things kick off, basically they're going to have the live sessions that they attend each day, same time, every single day. We typically do four days of teaching on the fourth day. We flip into the offer and then there's five days of selling. But in those five days of selling, we're still doing like bonus sessions and we're doing giveaways and it's a party. It's a complete like it's just a party the entire time. Everybody's having fun. People leave the workshop and they have their entire design launch design. Uh, they have their offer rebuilt, repriced. Um, people are getting a lot of work done live. And that's what I mean when I say it's like worth more than programs that people have paid for. So mm -hmm. 
They go through the sessions, they're working with their concierge the whole time to keep them moving forward, keep them accountable, help them make progress. And then once we open up the invitation, by that point, most people have gotten like such a substantial result already that they're like, all right, let's do this. It's not even a thing. Our program is $20,000 and you know, we'll, we'll bring people on a hundred, 150 at a time. So it's, you know, it's a very powerful mechanism where people that don't even know you literally, these are people coming in from Facebook ads. They don't know me. They, they haven't been following the brand for years and years in the beginning. Of course, you're starting all with organic traffic, people that know you, they've been following you. And there's always a mix of that, of course. And there's always the people yeah. returning. But the vast majority of people are going to be cold coming in. But by the end of going through these sessions with you, they feel like they know you so well and have such a relationship and rapport with you that they're ready. They're ready to change their lives. They're ready to jump on board. And it's just a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun for everybody. Yeah, I like that. I like I like the live party launch. I remember yeah. so that business that I had mentioned in college, um, I spent like a year totally failing. I had my own failed experience where I was like, I rented out a bus, a coach bus where it's like, we're going on a trip to Utah for spring break. And I had two people sign up and yeah. I had to like refund them their money. And then, yeah, for so sure. it all, it all failed. And then, uh, I was studying launch strategies like that entire following summer. And by the time I had, um, gone back to school that following fall, I focused on just growing my emailing list and then yeah. sending the emailing list I mean, we were at a university, right? So I could do actual in-person events. Yeah. We did like bonfires. We did like free, like camping events. And at those yeah. events, I was like asking them questions like, hey, if we did a trip, like where would yeah. you want to go? What do you want to do? And we had these like giveaways and backpacks and stuff that you could win. And then two weeks later, I had, after, you know, two weeks after doing all these fun party things, that's when I did my actual launch and I was like, Hey guys, we're going to release all of the trips that are going to become for the year. We're going to have giveaways, all this fun yes. stuff. We had a room cleared out that could fit in 300 people. We packed it in like sardines to the point where I didn't have a place to stand on the floor. Yeah. So I was standing on a table screaming yeah. at people <laughs> answering their questions. Yes. We had like four computers out where people were signing up for our trips and a line like out the hall, down the, down the hall, down three flights of stairs into the lobby of the building. It was like 2000 people trying to cram into a room for 200. Yeah, that's amazing. And I mean that, but that's the experience that that's the difference between like talking at people versus talking with people, right? When you got down and you like got on the floor with them and you're like at the bonfires and you're networking and you're like in mm -hmm. the moment with them, you're creating experiences for mm -hmm. them that's, you know, people respond to that. And I think that we have to remember, especially with the internet, everyone's so focused on automation. Everyone's obsessed with yeah. how do I digitize this and automate that. And you have to remember that more than ever, people are seeking and craving human connection. It's so yeah. simple that people overlook it. Actually, it's so yeah. simple that we're making it hard. Like, and, and that's what I talk so much about when I, when I lay out the strategy and in the book, everybody get a copy of the live launch book. It's like 20 bucks that I'll change your life. Right. So, you know, I, I talk about this and it's like returning to simplicity, like returning to having real conversations, returning to like putting the customer first, like just these simple, basic things. It's like mm -hmm. the rules that you learn in kindergarten kind of thing. Like that stuff still works, you know, but we've forgotten mm -hmm. that. We've like tried to get a little too fancy for ourselves, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's so true though. It's like, it's, that was stuff to me was like a no brainer 
I have people I can meet with in person. It's easy. But then following that launch, you know, I, I had cracked the code in person, but then I tried to go to social media and I forget that social media is one big party and you don't want to be the guy on social media handing out business cards to everybody. Like yeah. you can sell them, but after the party, when you bring people right. back to your house, which is right. your, your webinar or whatever. Yes. Yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. So how much time do you spend in that business versus in the philanthropic work that you're doing? Yeah. So I spend about three days a week running the coaching company. Um, we hired a couple dozen people this year. So it's been a really busy year, really helping to equip my leaders and making sure that they are in strong position to be able to lead the next generation and then the generation after that. So mm -hmm. I spend about three days a week in the coaching company. I spend about two days a week with Give Her Courage and philanthropic related things and, and all of that. And give her courage, like I said, is a very different monster. It's a different beast. And our team is brand new, right? So in one company, I'm coaching like senior level leaders. In the other company, I'm coaching entry level employees. One company we're operating based on systems and well-established you know, protocols that we know work. The other one was still, we're still figuring all of that out. So it's definitely, I'm, I'm bouncing between two worlds, but it's fun. It's interesting. And I think most importantly, from a, a coaching standpoint, it keeps me agile and it, it keeps me humble. Like I, I'm like down on the ground floor with my clients. I'm not like speaking from like an ivory tower. You know what I mean? So tell us about Give Her Courage. First of all, what is it? What was the inspiration for it? Just give us the whole nine yards. Yeah. I mean, basically girls by age about eight is when girls self-confidence plummets typically. And that is when peer pressure and bullying and, um, you know, a lot of the things that our girls now face because of the internet and because the changes in our society really come up. And that's the point at which, you know, a girl is either going to uh, have a mentor that really helps her develop self-worth, courage, confidence, leadership, communication skills, you know, all of those things, or she's going to kind of get taken down the path of wherever society leads her, which, you know, if we follow that path, it doesn't go very good places, right? Yeah. I, so, I, I, <laughs> yeah. So Amy, uh, who is my business partner and give her courage, she's also uh, my best friend of over 20 years. She's a senior executive in a large corporation as well. Both her and I uh, got together a couple of years ago and we said, you know, why, why have we been successful and what is it that made us so successful and really courage and confidence were at the center of that. And we were both really lucky because our parents worked really hard to instill that in us, but not everyone's given that gift. That's not a given that your parents work really hard at instilling courage and confidence in you. And especially if your parents don't have courage and confidence, right? And so for Amy and I, we really wanted to build something that was going to give back and make a difference for the next generation to help send the elevator back down to inspire the next generation of women leaders, women CEOs, uh, you know, scientists, discover, you know, explorers, you know, girls that are cracking the code and, and opening up new pathways for the future and making sure that we're capturing them at the time where it's most critical to their development. And so, you know, we have both the retail line that's all about just the fun, like, wearable, shareable things every day that are signs of courage. But then we have the Courage Academy, which is literally a year-long training program for girls ages 8 through 13 to teach them all of those things that I just talked about. 
both Amy, myself, and then our team members mentor the girls and release modules every month to really teach them these skills that you don't learn in skill in school. Mm -hmm. You know, this is one of the big problems. And it's, it's like the things that you learn in school, a lot of those things are not applicable. And a lot of the things that you most need to learn in school, you don't. And that's a problem, you know? So we're trying to really fill that gap. So when you're looking for people to join this academy, is it anybody or specifically like at risk girls? How do you know? No, no, it's really, it's really, and it's, you know, the parents, the moms, most of the time that we're speaking with, you know, it's, it's women that recognize we didn't get this in school. This is make or break for our daughter's future. And I want to give my daughter a competitive advantage by giving her an opportunity to learn these things that she isn't going to get anywhere else. So it's not at risk girls. It's not, you know, any particular demographic. It's really like people that recognize that these critical skills are the make or break ones, regardless of what's being taught in school. Mm -hmm. And that just because it's not taught in school doesn't mean that we should let our girls go with without like learning these things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then like, what's the vision for that? How do you plan on, how do you plan on scaling that? Are you going to partner with schools and be like, Hey, we've got the compliment for you. Like, yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously there's so much shifting and changing in education right now. Right. And so there's, there's an awareness rising up, I think for sure. Um, Even just look at our kids are on zoom right now you know, for the majority of their education, one of the classes in the Courage Academy is competence on camera for kids. And it literally talks about the fact that, and this was before, this is before coronavirus hit. Um, It talks about the fact that now in a digital age, you go to apply for a job, you're sending in a submission video. You're going to apply for school, you're sending in a submission video. You're going to apply for a leadership position, submission video. You wanna audition for a part in a play, a commercial, a television show, whatever it is, you are literally submitting a submission video. So our girls, our kids need to have confidence on camera. They need to understand how to show up with certainty and, and, you know, work the camera. And it's, it's critical because, you know, two girls could have the same talent, the same knowledge, experience, and skills. But if one knows how to present and the other doesn't, guess what? That girl that could have been the right person for the job isn't going to get it just because no one sat down and taught her how to dialogue this way. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So is the Academy in person then, or are you meeting? It's virtual. Everything's virtual. virtual. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was imagining uh, like these summer camps that I went to as a kid, you know, I was a, I was actually a camp counselor for a science museum, like (laughs) summer camp. So I was teaching kids like properties of water, which was the most boring class, but there was also like electric guitar and, yeah. and all this other stuff. Um, and so like the, during, during that experience where you get a whole bunch of kids together, like in over a month period, that would be really fun. I could, I could imagine, Absolutely. I yeah. could imagine like a retreat, maybe, maybe that's the next you know, step up the next uh, product up from the, on the value ladder. We had a vision of starting events actually in 2020. And then obviously, 
then 2020 happened. Um, so yeah, so we're not, we're not so much uh, pursuing that at this point, but absolutely that's, that's, we would love to see that happening in person. And, you know, there's so much power getting people in the same room and, and creating those connections and, and teaching that way. So hopefully, uh, hopefully someday soon we'll be, uh, I don't want to say normalizing because I don't think we're going to go back to normal. Um, I don't think things will be the same as they were, but have more freedom to do things in that way. So you've got like two businesses running at the same time and you've got a family, you've got to take care of your health. How do you balance all of that? And how do you like stay sane? Do you have a routine? Uh, like what's your average day look like? Yeah. Um, I don't have an average day. Every day is insanity, like flat out. Um, I have a lot of help. I have a lot of help. So I am, I am a person that is ruthless with my time. And if I am not the person required to do something, I'm going to have someone else doing it. And I have help at home. I have help in both of my companies. Um, I work with people for accountability on my health on my well-being, I invest significantly in things for my health and wellness because if if that goes away, everything else goes away, mm -hmm. right? So that's kind of like at the top of the list. Um, so being ruthless with my time, having a lot of help. Um, one of the great things about building, you know, a, a business the way that I have is like my husband's able to be home full time. He runs our house. He's home with my daughter. We have a lot of flexibility as a family, which is awesome. Um, so that's really nice. So just, you know, being intentional about your plan and, and being willing to sacrifice in the short term to get what you want in the long term. Like I sacrificed a lot to get to where we are, but it was completely worth it. You know? Yeah. I've got to say your husband's living the dream right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... no, we have a good thing. We have a good thing going for sure. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. I I've got to imagine that it's just like a necessary situation. Oh, like, you can't, you can't do it. I mean, it's why, it's why more than 50% of marriages fail. You can't have two people doing what I'm doing. And if you look at, you know, yes, I'm running two companies, not everyone's running two companies, but in a lot of households, both parents are working full-time, mm -hmm. extremely stressful careers and they have kids at home and you do the math on it and the math doesn't add up. Mm -hmm. And so for me, one of my biggest reasons for even starting the business in 2012 was we were starting to talk about getting engaged. We were starting to talk about planning a family and we had already made the decision like our kids will not be in daycare. One of us is going to be home. We didn't know what it was going to look like. We just knew what our value system was. And we were like, it's not what it's not going to look like is this. <laughs> so, it, you know, and then that was just, it was a decision, you know, and like I said, it's, it's being willing to sacrifice to make that happen and knowing what you want your life to look like, you know, and, and, you know, to your question earlier, like there is no balance for me. My family is first, Madison is first. Um, so I really try to make sure that I prioritize that and then build you know, things around it. But mm -hmm. I also, like I said, I'm lucky enough that, that my husband is free as well. So it's not like if I'm not available, Madison is, is not being, you know, focused on. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got so many things that you're juggling in the air and we still haven't gotten to this like clean water thing. Like what? Yes. Is that? <laughs> yes. yes. 
Yeah. I mean, so we started off, I always knew I wanted to build a business that had like a social good component. I just think that as entrepreneurs, we're leaders, you know, the second that you decide to be an entrepreneur, you're a leader, because if you're going to lead people through generating a result in your business, you're a leader. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important that we take that opportunity as a leader to lead, you know, the, the social good movement, because no matter how big or small, if you do something, if you do anything, you can change the world. Right. Mm -hmm. And for me, when I started the business, even when it was a baby business, and even when we were barely, you know, making a profit, I still was making donations to charity water every single week. I started off, we were literally bringing clean drinking water to one person a week. It was $30 a week. And then as the business grew and grew and grew, we were able to extend that. And like last year, we were able to fully fund a well through Charity Water. And last year, we launched the foundation. We moved to a one-for-one one where every client that we close, we make a donation. So, you know, I, I just think it's it's super crucial to recognize that we can all change the world. And if you think that changing one person's life isn't like making a big enough change or isn't making a big enough difference, I think that's like a really kind of sad way to perceive the impact and the power of doing good. Mm -hmm. I think instead reversing it and saying, if I can change one life today, if I can impact one person today. Mm -hmm. And I think if you approach your business in that way, um, you also are able to gain a perspective. Like for me, you know, going from six to seven to eight figures, it's pretty freaking hard. Like it's hard, right? Like that is not an easy journey. But while I was doing that, we were planning out the well for Charity Water. And so I was doing all the research about you know the women that walk eight hours a day to get clean walk, drinking water to survive and you know what the the situation was in areas where these wells are building and all of that and when you have that perspective it's like this is easy these are first world problems right like this is these are real problems that need to be solved and i think that helped me a lot because again when it's when you're focused on me life can seem really, really overwhelming and hard. Mm -hmm. But when you're focused on we, you put things in perspective, you're like, okay, cool, we can do this. You know, like we can, we can do this. We got this, right? So where are these wells built? The one that we're building is in Malawi. So it's in Malawi, Africa. And they map different areas in advance each year where the wells are going to go. And then they look for the donors that can mm -hmm. fund them. So like you could go to Charity Water now and they can say, okay, the next couple wells that, because obviously it's like a multi-year process to go from like mapping and then picking the coordinates and then the geography and then the planning, the equipment, the funding, like all of those things. So you could go to them now and say, you know, this is what I want to do, whatever, this is what I want to be a part of. And they can tell you where the next things are, are mapped out to be built. It's, it's fascinating. But I just think it's ridiculous with the technology that we have, you know, we're sending people into space. We live on a planet. It's primarily comprised of water. The fact that there's billions of people without clean drinking water to me is wholly unacceptable. Like I will yeah. not accept that. And so I can either complain about it or I can do something about it. And so yeah. I'm just trying to do my part to do something about it and hoping that that will then inspire other people to like climb on that journey with us. Yeah. I, I, I am like, I feel the same way as you. Like from actually probably like three or four years ago, I didn't think much about contribution. 
And then I got introduced to Tony Robbins, <laughs> which <laughs> have you ever read any of his books? Yeah. 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 So I read Unshakable and it's a book all about money, right? It's, it's like have an unshakable portfolio essentially is what yeah. it is. And he starts the book and ends the book saying this book's not about money. Like this book is about like a tool and it's not the end goal. It is like money is a tool in order to achieve things that will actually make you happy. Yeah. If you make a lot of money and you use that tool correctly, then it can make you happy through like contribution and things like that. Yes. And, and um, if you don't use it correctly, if you hoard the money, if you're selfish and stuff like that, and, and you pr prioritize that over family and things that actually matter, then it'll make you miserable. So yeah. use the tool correctly or use it wrong. That's going to yes. determine your happiness, right? I love that. Yeah. And at that time, I was using the tool completely incorrectly. Like I was graduating college and my business had been taking off and um, I, I had like more money than a, a 22 year old kid yeah. just fresh out of college should have. And I was blowing it on stupid stuff. Mm -hmm. And it kind of made me lazy and made me arrogant. And then that's, that's when I started seeking like contribution from Tony Robbins. And so I went on a journey to Haiti and oh, yeah, my sister actually spent a couple of years volunteering there. Awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, it blew my mind where I'm like, holy crap, there are people in this world that just, they don't have the opportunity. Like yeah. not only are they living struggling, like lots of people struggle, but they don't even have the opportunity to escape that struggle. So they just live in these like hopeless environments. Yeah. And that's when I started learning about microfinancing. And this is something that I think you would love because it's all about helping small businesses. Yeah. Um, I, I found a guy who was working, who was like on the beach selling seashells. He was making three bucks a day. And I asked him, I was like, what would you do if I gave you a $200 loan? And at first he's like struck. He's like, what do you mean? 200 bucks is like more money than I've ever had. I'm yeah. like, what would you? And I was like, tell me, what would you do? He's like, well, I'd buy a lobster net. You know, my brother owns a fishing boat. And I can catch lobster and I can sell it to tourists. And I already knew that they sold because I was sitting there with like three plates yes. of, of yeah. lobster that I had had myself. Yeah. yeah. And so I gave him a $200 loan and he made 20 bucks. Literally, he bought his loan, sent me a picture of the fishing net on WhatsApp, and then sent me a picture of a $20 bill later in that day yes. uh, because he had just made his like, and, and so he 7X'd his income almost immediately. And, um, and with, that. yeah, with that, it's like these people on the ground can solve their own problems, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I, well, first of all, I love that you did that. That's just incredible. But second of all, like, do you see that perspective shift though? Because I feel that we've become so entitled and, and so just lacking in our resourcefulness. And you said something really important there because what we're talking about is, is a distinction between people that can and don't versus people that literally can't like they, they, there is no way to pull themselves up. And, but, but you give them that little ounce of opportunity and they immediately translate it into not only income, but the ability to pull themselves up because the work ethic is there. There's no entitlement. They are willing and able. They just need something, a, a door opened, a knob turned, right? 
I'm literally, I literally have chill bumps right now <laughs> as you're saying this, but that like, to me, that became my life mission was like creating opportunity for people yeah. because I was blessed with tons of opportunity. You know, I won the lottery yeah. when I was born and, um, and I realized like there are like 3 billion people in the world who like I get credit card offers in the mailbox literally every day. 3 billion people can't access the tiny exactly. bit amount of money that they need yes. in order to start their tiny business. And, um, and not to say that like everyone who gets a loan is going to be super successful. It comes down to how badly do you want to change? And it's the same mindset in the States or any developed country as is in like impoverished country. You can give someone a loan and they will crush it and they will build this amazing business or you can give someone a loan and they end up doing nothing with it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So gosh, that's anyways, that would, that's a big side tangent. <laughs> no, it's great. But that's, that's what I'm saying though, about the interconnectivity in like your perception of money and in the, the giving back, you know, versus earning and, and all of those things. And I think that there's been so many false paradigms that have been passed down to us. Like, you know, like that those things go against one another when mm -hmm. in reality, the people that really understand money are the people that are giving back in a massive way. Mm -hmm. And they're still living a wealthy freedom based, fulfilling and amazing life but they understand that it's not one versus the other. It's not one or the other. It's how do you use the, the good that you've created for yourself to then pass that on to others, which then translates into more good, right, for everyone. And so I, I always think about it from the standpoint of like keeping it in circulation, mm -hmm. you know, and, it's, and the same principle applies in business too, right? If a business hoards all the cash and doesn't reinvest for growth, it stagnates and dies. And you're saying this exact same thing about like the Tony Robbins book. It's like when you understand how to use money correctly, you reinvest it for good. You use it in the right way. You enjoy it. You share it, all of those things. Then you have one experience of money, but when used the wrong way, you have a totally different experience. So again, I, I really feel like all, everything that we're saying here really comes back to this idea that entrepreneurs are leaders, right? And we are being totally. called to use totally. the advantages <laughs> given. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, we're both entrepreneurs, so we're totally biased, but at the same time, it's like, I, I think that if we want to, you know, change developing countries, for example, if we want to improve developing countries, who's the people doing it? It's entrepreneurial minded people. Like it may be entrepreneurial minded people with like an engineering background or an entrepreneurial minded person with some other background. But at the end of the day, it's the mindset of like, we can build a better future as long as yes. we invest in ourselves today. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Gosh, what a, this, this has been an awesome chat. <laughs> yes. Yes, it has. All right. So, uh, as, as we wrap up, uh, from the queen of the launch, we've got tons of people listening to this podcast that are all wondering what should I like that are ready to launch or have recently launched and they're going through the same failures that you had experienced yes. at your first launch. What's one thing that you can leave them with? It could be a strategy, it could be a tactic, it could be a piece of mindset advice. Yeah, absolutely. So let me give a couple of things just really quick. 
So number one, do not let whatever launch failure that you've had up until now in any way, shape or form, muddy your perspective or your mindset around what is possible for you. The people that fail the biggest and keep trying are the ones that win at the biggest level. So the fact that you've had those failures is doing nothing but inching you one step closer to success, number one. Number two, success leaves clues, right? If you're going through it, you've tried a lot of things, it hasn't worked for you, it might be time to do a little bit of a, a pattern redirect or a little bit of a pattern interrupt, right? Grab a copy of the live launch book, or if you don't want to spend 20 bucks and grab a copy of the live launch book, you can join my free Facebook group, go through the live launch training for free, right? You can go to Tribe of Unstoppables and Facebook to join. We do one of these every, you know, six to eight weeks. But I would just say that you can't become the leader that you're meant to be at the level that you want to lead until you've gone through your own hero's journey. So all of those failures are what is equipping you to be able to lead at the level that you dream of and that you desire to be at. And there is nothing holding you back from getting there except for you quitting, right? The only person that can take us out of the game is ourselves. So uh, they have great mentorship with you here uh, on the show. And uh, I hope, you know, I hope everybody listening just, you know, picks their head up, take one more step forward, right? You might be winning already on a big level. Let's win at the next level. And if you're not winning today, don't allow yourself to think that it's not going to be you that's winning tomorrow, right? I promise to all of our listeners that wasn't like a premeditated response. I didn't <laughs> tell her that I was going to ask this question ahead of time. That seemed perfect. Like almost like scripted, like you knew I was going to ask that question, but that is like perfect advice. I love it. Aside from the Facebook group, you said that, first of all, the Facebook group is, um, the so tribe of unstoppables, tribe tribe of unstoppables. unstoppables on Facebook. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so go to tribe of unstoppables for the Facebook group. Where else can they reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. So Instagram, we're always on Instagram, Kelly Roach official. And I hope that you guys will check out the Unstoppable Entrepreneur Show. So we are uh, like 600 and some episodes deep now. It's literally a library of business growth strategy, mindset tools, inspiration. And uh, it, it's just a way to move the business forward every single week. So you can check that out as well. Wow. You have been such a pleasure to talk with and you are just full of brilliant ideas. Thank you so much, Kelly, for coming on the show. It was an awesome conversation. Thanks for having me. How do you like that for one-on-one -on -one business coaching with one of the biz best business coaches in the country herself, Kelly Roach? If you enjoyed this podcast, then you're going to love some of the other people that we've got coming up. We bring on business coaches all the time, uh, but not just talking about business, talking about life as well. Uh, holistic finances, spirituality, emotions, uh, physical well-being, all that good stuff. We're really looking for uh, holistic peak performance because that's what it takes in order to survive and thrive in the new digital age. So go to theageofentrepreneurs.com and hit subscribe. Thanks, and I'll see you guys next time.